This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Balls. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring any incident at all, is Lyle Fulton, and I'm joined, as I'm sure, as I hope I always will be, by the wonderful, the brilliant Jackie Balls. Jackie, yeah, you got two. You got two in this recording, and that's because you're wearing once again as ever a truly exceptional hat jackie how are you we're back again thursday afternoon can you please tell me that you're having a lovely afternoon so far how's your week been the week's been good i went out for dinner with the marvelous matthew buxton who we had on the podcast last week and that was brilliant because i've been out to dinner for ages in town we went to this place called the opera tavern uh, so a big shout out to Opera Tavern, which is in Covent Garden. And um, I haven't been since, and this is awful, but I kind of follow this chef around, this guy called Ben Tish. I do actually know him. I'm not a stalker, but I, I generally follow Ben around. So when Ben is chefing, he's actually right now at the Cubits, which has got the Coach Baker's Arms and big, lovely, beautiful gastro pubs like that. But he was an executive chef at the Salt Yard Group, which had Opera Tavern as one of its places. So I haven't been to Opera Tavern for years because I just followed off with, with Ben. And it was, oh, it was delicious. Was so really anyway, good? me and Matthew and Charlie and Janae, we all um, we all ate and drank rather a lot. So that's my that's my highlight of my week. Lovely stuff. And I'm glad to hear it. And also Matt was just so brilliant. So, I mean, did you get chatting about some of the podcasts and some of the stuff we recorded about? Yeah. Yeah, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he's going to come back. Um, I think we invited him on our podcast for again to talk about um, investment. And uh, yeah, because he's in the Web3 space, Laura, and he's just, uh, uh, he knows what he doesn't know isn't worth knowing basically about Web3 and blockchain and everything else. So it's really, yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Beautiful stuff. Love that. And you've also, you've, you've taken perfectly the segue pressure off myself by once again, introducing <laughs> our fantastic guest for this week now before we start listeners uh, a, a quick kind of disclaimer as you can probably hear i've been feeling somewhat over the weather this week i'm gonna muddle three yeah. over the weather over the over the weather <laughs> under the weather and over the hill over the weather and under the hill i've been feeling somewhat i've got this horrible head cold but i'm gonna personally i wanted so desperately to make sure that we got to meet our fantastic guest for this week and fantastic is exactly what she is because we are delighted to this week listeners to be joined by the brilliant laura west now laura welcome before i ask you how you've been and ask you a little bit about your career so far and, and what you're here to discuss on the podcast i'm going to do my quintessentially lyle thing and i'm just going to really embarrass you with your list of achievements and your career to date so that we can ask you about everything <laughs> here we go so laura and listeners strapping because laura has done so much brilliant work over the years laura is the founder and one of the advisors at agency wise which is a platform where agency owners can meet network with and learn from fellow professionals, whilst also getting access to experts from the likes of finance, law and the economy. Uh, she has over 20 years of experience in the PR and marketing industry, with a particular focus on helping agency founders grow and scale their businesses, which is what we're going to discuss at length during this episode of the podcast. Laura is also certified in agile and change management, and she's used these skills to assist her clients in the running of their agencies. And Laura also runs several initiatives that support and connect agency founders, including Collaboration Club and Mentor Me. There's lots to discuss there, lots to unpack. The first thing is first, Laura, how are you this fine Thursday afternoon? And can you also tell us a little bit about your career so far and how you came to be where you are agency-wise now? 
Yeah, thank you so much for that intro. That was like, um, you know, the the best version of my CV, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need you to rewrite it if I'm ever ever in a position to be looking for a job again. Uh, so thank you so much for that. Yeah, um, so, it, I mean, you, you kind of, you said it there, you know, I've, um, when you said I've been working in the industry for 20 years, it might, <laughs> it makes you take a sharp intake of breath, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, so my my career started in PR, actually. And as you, as you can imagine, it was a long time ago. Um, and I was thinking about coming on actually and and one of the things that I think is really interesting is how PR has developed and changed so much I mean when I first started working in PR we were talking about um, I mean actually the first press release I ever sent um, I faxed um, and I had to fax it to different um, press outlets and um, yeah and I think we had like you know maybe half a dozen specialist print press maybe a dozen mainstream print press and that was about it I mean the internet was existed but certainly not in the field of kind of um, you know delivering any kind of information any worthwhile information anyway. It used um, to be a bit stroppy with you if you clogged up their fax machine with stuff yes. that wasn't relevant. Yeah. Paper was so expensive. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I was thinking back. Um, I mean, we we I was talking to someone fairly recently actually about the sort of the hilarity of embargoes. Um, and we were then we were then talking about how I I remember requesting press did embargoes, and I was posting and and faxing press releases. So you didn't even have like any any kind of real control over when they arrived, who was reading them, anything like that. But I mean, it seemed to work, um, and probably because there was essentially nine people <laughs> in, the, in the whole of in the whole of the UK reading those press releases at any one time. Um, but yeah, that's that's where my career started. And sort of just fast forward, I I bounced around, just sort of working agencies in house, you know, up to sort of um, senior level. Um, in 2012, like most agency founders, I would say, I I kind of quit working for someone else I wanted to start my own thing essentially started as a freelancer then just because my network and what have you I got I got you know I got a lot of work and after sort of a year I, I took stock and thought I do you know actually I'm running an agency because I had staff and you know I, I had things that were business-like rather than freelance like and that's how I I kind of started um, and I actually you know the, the agency did quite well it was mostly focused in the games industry. Um, but in 2019, 2020, beginning through 2020, it really plateaued, largely due to, I've got three children, um, I was quite busy, and I didn't have a lot of support within within the kind of the agency sphere, if you like. Um, so I shut the doors just before COVID, which I say to people is like a blessing and a curse in a way. Curse in the fact that because I'd actually shut my business, I didn't get any of Boris's, <laughs> I didn't get any of Boris's money at all. I know, absolute nightmare, but but blessing in a way because obviously I had to homeschool three children um, and essentially I took a, 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 effectively a career break um, to do so and I'm, you know, I'm not sure how anyone who had two or three kids or one kid actually worked through through that period of time I mean anyone who did it you know hats off I haven't got a hat but <laughs> essentially hats off yeah and, and so then yeah <laughs> um and uh yeah so after that um I, I I took I took myself into consulting roles effectively um my passion is agency agency life agency world but um you know I think I think now I've got this lovely balance where I'm completely um you know in in the in the in the environment neck deep in agency land without the actual kind of pressures of running an agency and I started agency wise last year um, with a view really to developing services and um, products to really help agency founders on their journey of growth and and that is 
various different things through sort of peer-to-peer networking, uh, introductions and learning from professionals and, um, you know, just, just really working with them in an advisory capacity as well. So because, you know, one thing I know is every agency founder need, needs help, <laughs> a lot of help. I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. I mean, this is just absolutely brilliant. I mean, a question I was going to sort of lead with, which you kind of almost half answered, but I'm going to go through it anyway, is no, 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 it's perfect, is... I suppose in the first instance, I mean, you say you've had all that experience and apologies for sort of saying how many years it, it has been. But, you know, what drew you in the first place? I mean, your qualifications and sort of, I suppose you had a passion for it. I mean, what drew you to the industry in the first instance when you were just starting out in your career? Well, do you know what? That is, um, there's a funny story in the fact that I went to university twice um and I came out and I had biology and um a film and tv degrees um and I came out of university and a very good friend of mine had gone through the process and I and had sort of done a, a done a degree that led into a career and I came out and was like what, what am I going to do and I hadn't really thought what I was going to do with my life um and just a friend of mine said do you know what you think you'd be really good at PR and I didn't even really know what PR was to be honest with you at that time and I think her her thought process was that I like chatting to people and that seemed at the time to be what PR was schmoozing and chatting to people um and I applied for an internship and got it and that the rest is history and that that's really how I started I didn't didn't really plan to have a career in in PR or agencies or anything it just happened and it turned out I was quite good at it and um and yeah just sort of <laughs> the rest is history you could so, say yeah. the rest is PR you could say, you could say the rest <laughs> so is PR. glad we finally got to use that and it actually means oh, something and makes sense I was gonna say the rest is history is a different book we are we are fully almost <laughs> 70 episodes in yeah, we're still cut that. No, no, of course we won't. No, <laughs> this thing called SEO. The more I say, the rest is history. The more this just absolutely catapults up the list of things. No, I love it. No, that's brilliant. I mean, I suppose uh, just a, a follow-up question. I mean, you know, you're you're talking to two people on the podcast who, in essence, didn't have altogether that much of a different path to it in a way. Because I mean, I'm like I said to you before we went live, Laura. I'm I'm an actor still by trade, and I still act and perform and have a master's degree from a drama school and Jackie herself also did you know a theatrical degree herself I mean it's PR is in essence storytelling and the best storytellers on planet earth are people who have been trained to tell stories that people watch and and people go to see you know is is that something do, do you still feel in essence that even though you left university with your two degrees and you weren't sure what to do with either of them but particularly the film and tv degree was like has given you a lot of tools to 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 use yeah, do you know what? Um, my my best friend, another friend of ours at uni, said, "I'm gonna, you know, when we move into houses and stuff." She said, "I want this other friend of mine to move in with us," and she's a drama student. And I said, "No, no way! I'm not living with a bloody drama student. It's all jazz hands and dramatics." And um, and I, you know, I said, I'll, "I'll meet her and see." And I met her and absolutely adored her and loved her. And um, I I didn't ever sort of see myself as being anything like that you know I wasn't I wasn't a drama student I thought it was very different and over the years what I have realized I mean as I said earlier PR and the the method of of PR has changed dramatically you know how we consume things um you know how consumers are even you know just not even just how they how they physically consume things but how they mentally kind of go through things and one thing I've noticed is the PRs who have been sort of steadfast the people who've managed to sort of stay throughout the changes are the people who are genuinely good born 
performers, storytellers who really can understand, I suppose, and empathise with how something makes you feel, how you how you engage with it. And for me, that is pretty much, you know, that's drama, isn't it? That's that's performance. Um, you know, you don't go to a play and say, oh, you know, they they read that script really well. It's about yeah. how they've done it and how they've made you feel. And, you know, essentially that's that's especially now what, you know, what, what we're trying to achieve with PR, marketing, everything, you know, how we're how our, our product service, whatever is, is kind of, you know, tapping in and making our customers feel. So, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> and just <laughs> long answer. It's your kind of like your modus operandi, your way of delivering that. You know, if you're just, you know, reeling crap off to a poor journalist who's sitting on the receiving end of like, oh, yeah, another bit of dirge. It's much more preferable to have somebody going, you'll never guess what, this is really exciting. This is the first ever, you know, getting people excited about things yeah. is much better. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I love the way you, you, you talked about that performance side of things. And it, it isn't just, you know, and I, again, going back, I remember sitting in sort of planning meetings and what have you. I often make fun of my, my husband because he is obsessed with kind of, um, you know, Candy Crush style gaming. And I always say to him, we used to sit in meetings and anyone that goes in is going to kill me for saying this. But we used to sit in meetings and, and sort of talk about people like him as kind of like they were, you know, how can we get money out of these idiots? You know, And, and, and the way you do it and, and the way you do it every time is not just from, you know, it's not just the sort of the gameplay. It's how it's making them feel. At what points in this, you know, are we talking about where's their emotion high? When do they want to continue? What points are they getting bored and putting it down? You know, and, and, and so everything comes down to how things you feel not just what you're looking at or what you're reading and and that's always been the case it's just you know and now it's even more prevalent really because people understand it more but yeah it's it's always been that way you know (laughs) tell me how you didn't come back to PR when you decided to come back after COVID and the kids gone back to school why didn't you come back into PR what a lot Well, a couple of reasons, really. One, um, as I said, I'd I'd, um, sort of shut the doors on my agency and I'd kind of made the decision at that point that I didn't want to start another agency. Um, It it had quite a negative impact on me from a mental health perspective. And I just I just didn't feel I had it in me anymore. The PR thing, actually, is quite funny because I've got a very good friend who runs a PR agency. And I said, even since then, so we're talking, what, 2020 to now, three years, the world of PR has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the things that I feel, uh, you know, I, I really struggled with was that constant changing environment. Not because I couldn't keep up, honestly, because I couldn't keep up with explaining to clients. And I found that part of, of PR, because there's it's not as easy to just offer an ROI there's not it's not a straightforward thing it's not a mathematical thing it's much more of an emotion-based thing I found more and more maybe I'm getting older maybe I've got less patience but I found the kind of constant defense and the constant explanation of how PR works in terms of from a business perspective very very difficult and so I kind of thought you know what I'm going to leave it to the people who are really really good at it these days yeah and I think you're, you're, that that really coincides with when performance marketing really came to the yeah. fore. And when people are like looking at their budgets and they're going, especially in the games industry, mm-hmm. because the games industry is way ahead of a lot of industries when it comes to marketing technology and marketing techniques. And, you know, the games industry, their budget was really highly focused on user acquisition, building the profile of the games, and of course, when performance marketing came to the fore, 
they could just say, okay, 10 grand in, gets yeah. me 50 grand out. Lovely, lovely, yeah. lovely. Rub, you know, rub my hands together. Oh, what well, I want to put a budget together of over 100 grand for PR. So therefore, ergo, I must be able to get a million out. And you're yes, like, yes, exactly. Yeah. No, it doesn't. That, that's exactly it, you know, and I think that's, it, and there are there are lots and lots of amazing PR people who who have a, a brilliant ability to do that and to to be able to explain that and what have you. But that was my that was my biggest thing really. It was just kind of having to you know talking to someone who understands it. You can talk all day and you go, yes yes that that that. But then having a, a client, um, especially in times I mean like now I mean like PR agencies I know now are really struggling purely because you know we are in a time of uncertainty you know, in terms of budgets and spends and how we allocate or how brands are allocating that, it does become more and more sort of mathematically based, much more ROI driven. And it becomes more and more difficult to justify, you know, your worth. And and it's stressful. You know, people like you and I totally understand the worth of PR, but, but a lot of times brands don't. They don't. But interestingly, Laura, what I'm finding just in the games industry is because of the increase in privacy regulation, those days of chucking 10 grand here and 30 grand there into performance marketing and knowing the return you're going to get have gone because they can't target as precisely as they used to be able to and in a weird way again the games industry is leading this they're starting to come back to things like PR and more traditional methods yeah, yeah. to help create more demand for their games. And this is and this goes hand in hand with the, the creatives. This is the other thing that I always saw much, you know, under underpaid creative people, the artists, the game artists, the ad artists. Yeah. All the creatives were, were really underpaid, undervalued. It was all like, oh, you know, just make it blue or just make it pink. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Put a hat on it, yeah. <laughs> are right at the forefront of everything because they were like, "Can you please to make a different ad very quickly so we can A/B test this and do?" So it's really interesting how things are starting to sort of come full circle. Definitely, and I mean, you're right about the games industry. The games industry has always been at the forefront of, of everything. Actually, you know, I, I don't, I don't work in that that arena anymore. But you know, I used to t- constantly talk about them being at the forefront of everything. And and you are right. And I think the the, the only thing really, I suppose, is is the, the sort of trap um, is that you know what people are trying to do now is very much kind of they're going back to brand building. They're going back to that kind of you know, I suppose, influencer marketing type stuff. You know, that real kind of you know that that sort of the recommendations, the referral. And that, you know, if you go back to the olden days, I remember you used to explain the difference between PR and marketing. Marketing is you telling someone your product's good. PR is someone else telling someone your product's good. That was how I used to define PR yeah. 20 years ago. And obviously, you know, it's it's big, it's a big difference now. But I think people don't see what, what they want as PR. That's the, that's the problem more. So it's not that they don't want PR. They just don't know that that's what they want. You know, so it, it's still a constant kind of education. How yeah. often do you find that what people do want isn't PR from an agency as well? So, like yeah. we, we've we've had conversations oh, where, yeah. and we're very lucky with our with our clients and advisor. I know we always say that, but it is the absolute truth. Like you know, we, we're massively here for our clients. We we absolutely love mm-hmm. our clients, but there have been examples that we've heard, and Jackie's had examples from sort of her pre- previous experience where you go into you know sort of client work and and they employ an agency to do what they think is PR for them and you turn around and go we're going to try and do this because this is what 
we yeah. think we've and you need to get on the same page and I, I imagine that's sort of like a lot of the advice you give people now as well now that yeah you know. yeah it is and I mean actually quite a few of the PR agencies that I know actually are starting to well not necessarily branch out but certainly collaborate I mean collaboration is something that I bang on about a lot um, you know it, we, we 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 are in a tough world at the moment and I think you know people are people I say agencies are struggling to to sort of you know just get people over the line and what have you at the moment and largely because you know we went through a stage where full service was the key then we went through the stage where niching and being a genuine specialist in any area is the key to doing it and that's still the case but we've now got to a point where brands are saying actually I don't want to manage 10 agencies because it's really complicated and I don't know how my RLO works on that so actually collaboration is real key and that for me especially is for PR agencies because people have a real lack of understanding of what PR is and how it fits I suppose into the whole kind of the marketing sphere so yeah I, I hear it all the time you know especially with seo or you know you know paid ads and stuff you know what you know, what part do i pay for what part do i not and the amount of prs i know that's sort of like you know <laughs> it's not it's not pr we've paid someone to say it it's you know that's not essentially what we're doing but yeah i think i think sort of working with people who are doing that is really kind of how to do it and sort of you know have, have the whole mix. What you're saying i love what you're saying because it is that kind of like agency sorry I, I'm gonna no I'm not gonna swear because Lyle tells me off for swearing but it's like your mind gets effed up because every year you're kind of looking at what your clients are asking you for and we're quite lucky in the sense that we're small and agile mm-hmm. years ago I ran a huge agency and it became a bean counter and completely got divorced yeah. from PR and that was a different kind of stress but now we're small and agile and so that means that we kind of we, we're kind of flexible and so if a client comes to us and says I want this I want that we will make that happen but increasingly I, I, I've talked about this before we've been called a go-to-market agency by some of our clients and not a PR agency but I think what sort of brings PR to the fore is that we sort of the communications and messaging sits at the heart of whatever yes. a client does yeah. and, you know, I come into engagements with clients who have these big branding agencies working with them and these great logos and these great visuals and product placement yeah. everywhere, and la, la, la. And they have no idea who they are. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, someone was talking to me recently. I mean, this is a conversation I have a lot, actually. You know, brands that are of a certain size, they don't they don't know when to get in that that kind of marketing person you know maybe the founder's doing it and they've grown a bit and and so that's when agencies come in and again this is where the kind of specialisms work and I was chatting to someone recently um, and they'd got they'd got a in-house marketing person director and they were talking about whether where, where PR sits in that and I said I actually think it's a constant debate because what people think is you know, marketing, CMO, let's say, you know, the, the epitome of like everything that's going out of this building sits under the CMO. And then all of the streams come off of that. And, and PR sits within that. But actually, essentially, should it not be PR at the top? Because actually, the messaging that runs through all of the marketing should essentially come through the messaging that's communicated by PR. And so I think this is this constant thing. And PR is not given that kind of power. But you know my question is maybe should it <laughs> so and, you know, I think it's always the thing that everybody cuts as well yeah. It's like, yeah. oh well, we can't see any defined results from that so therefore that's got to go yeah and the more I do this podcast Laura the more I learn about the different parts of PR mm. and so we had was it Helen from the sustainability Helen Neal from yeah. uh, HN Communications that's it yeah 
came on and talked about how sustainability should be at the heart of companies comms at the moment and I'm like whoa and now I've introduced sustainability into part of my messaging and positioning sessions and it's like I'm learning all the time but the world is changing so fast it's so hard to stay in touch then there are all these different channels of communication (laughs) springing up as well that you know PR is suddenly being shoehorned in a way into because nobody else will quite catch what's going on in those definitely and I think I mean that's that's a massive thing again I talk to you know agencies that I work with and one of one of the things I obviously work with them is you know their own marketing their own kind of you know obtaining customers you know how how do we you know acquire you know customers of our own and you know a lot of people say to me things like what channel shall I use and I always say do you know what let's not even don't don't worry about that at the moment because you know it's not about the channels you use it's about the messaging you're putting out and who's sitting at the end of that and I think you know again for PR this is such a hard thing because people don't recognize the why what why you're doing it and who's receiving it at the end anecdotally I always tell this story of a, a CEO I used to I had a games company that my agency did the PR for and he always wanted to appear in this publication um you know him and his company and it was because he read it and I couldn't get through to him that this is not a good spend because your customers aren't you and so that's sort of you know the recognition of the end the end product that you know the why we're doing this and I think that is one of the things people lose often because there's all these sort of channels and I see things they sort of position their their messaging through channels rather than kind of taking a step back and saying well this is you know this is who we are this is what we want to do this is what we want to say once we've established that then we work out how we do it you know and I think they just do it backwards you're so right so now you know me I'm really opinionated as a founder and if somebody comes in and tells me what they think I should do I might be like "Ah." (laughs) how do you cope with that kind of like honesty of communication with somebody who's obviously a leader well, to be honest with you, um, my, one thing I always say is, um, I mean, you've mentioned there I've done, you know, I'm, I'm qualified change management and qualified agile. I am, but I also often say templates, formats, systems, processes are all well and good, but I don't ever go in with one of those talking to anyone because everybody is so different. Yeah. And so actually, I very I sound like I'm very opinionated. And I, I've got my ideas and I think this is right and that's right. But actually, what I tend to do is say, you know, tell me what you think. I can I can tell you you're wrong about stuff that is factually incorrect. But also there's a way of kind of looking at why they think this, where that's come from, how that fits with what they want to achieve. And it might be that it's a conversation about, well, I don't think you're necessarily correct and here's why. But it's also, you know, people have different ambitions. They have different goals. They have different, you know, and and to just sort of say, well, this is how to achieve what you want to achieve is wrong. And so I think lots of people are opinionated, but also harness that. If that's who you are, harness it. You know, people are great at some stuff and really, sorry, I shouldn't swear, really rubbish at other stuff. There's no point to keep telling them to do the stuff they're rubbish at because they're rubbish at it. So, you know, every single person and every single business and every single kind of everything has to be looked at, you know, what, who you are, what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you want to achieve. There's so many, it's multifaceted. So I don't think there's a, there's a set way, basically. So I don't mind is the answer. (laughs) Don't mind opinionated. I like it. You kind of like come in as a a bit of a coach, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the word coach because I mean, 
the only reason I haven't historically liked it is because of the, the kind of the connotations around sort of life coach and business coach. Because it yeah. tends to be very, you know, you know the answers and I'll draw it out of you with questions. You know, I'm I'm not like that. I will tell you yeah. what I think and I will tell you, you know, where I think you're wrong and right and what have you. But yeah, I suppose a lot of it is coaching because it is about you know understanding who I'm talking to and what they want to achieve and so you know then you have to adjust what you think and how you talk to them you know I taught even just the way I talk is different to different founders that I work with you know I've got I've got a founder that largely what we talk about is her personal life because it's so intertwined with everything she does in the business that actually most of the time she'll sort of say I've got this issue within the company and we'll work it back. And it, you know, the actual solution is not necessarily based within the business. So I think enterprises, enterprises like this are so, I mean, I'm not just saying that because, because you're here, I, I, I do, I'm really passionate about this actually, like enterprises like this and, and, and companies like this are, are so important and the work you do is so important because actually I'm, I'm pleased you kind of mentioned that you speak to someone about what's going on personally as well. We've kind of spoken at length throughout this recording about how it can be, a real tribulation at times to like get through to people sometimes about you know exactly what it is that you're there to do and the work you're doing and mm-hmm. and Jackie and I have spoken you know in previous episodes about how PR can sometimes be a longer game than even you the person executing the plan expect it to be and so there are frustrations on both sides actually having someone there to come in and be like this is going really well maybe we could bespoke yeah. this and take this in a different direction but also just having someone there to be like by the way if this is affecting you personally and, and mentally like yeah. you know, maybe we can take this strategy in a different direction maybe we can ease the workload here I mean it's a bit of a loaded question but was agency wise also born out of a sense that when you were running your own agency you'd have loved to have had that level of support not a little bit entirely that. that's entirely what is born out of yeah because yeah I mean I don't know I might still be going I might not you know but the the main failing factor for me was I was I felt really alone I didn't know how to overcome the things I was worrying about I didn't know how to move on from it let alone if anyone else was in the same boat so you know I've got lovely friends and family but they didn't understand what I was doing professionally so and and that's a lot of what I talk to people about you know that it's okay to be overwhelmed by stuff and it's okay to not have the answers in fact I would suggest if you think you've got all the answers you are you are really wrong because people don't you know and and you'll come across things on a daily basis that that you don't understand or you don't know so whether it's asking someone their opinion asking for validation just talking something through um, in a lot a lot of the kind of work I do with people is just breaking stuff down so instead of having a million things you feel like you need to do is just saying okay well let's just let's just work out what's something you can actually do today you can actually action today or, or this week or what have you just to move the needle a bit because nobody can do a million things so let's not even worry about what we can't do let's have a look at the things you possibly could do just to move that needle and sometimes you just need to say that to someone and give them that give them that sort of support and a bit of structure and you know permission to prioritize yes yes exactly and you know and and you know we all suffer from it social media is the worst and I mean LinkedIn now is is effectively social media isn't it and you know and people think everyone else is doing brilliantly people think everyone else knows how to run an agency or is is really good at all of these different you know facets of 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 leadership they're not (laughs) they're really not you know everybody is winging it but nobody not well not many people are writing on LinkedIn I haven't got a effing clue what I'm doing today (laughs) you know you don't want your clients to see that so it's all you know it's all wonderful bells and whistles 
But, you know, for, for people who can't necessarily see past that, it's just nice to sometimes think, you know, to hear, you know, you're not alone. Everybody else thinks this and feels this. Well, how important is this kind of community aspect that you've created as well? This idea that agency wise isn't just you brilliant as you are going in with the expertise that you have from all these yeah. years working in the industry, but you kind of created this platform where you can also speak with other people who run yeah. agencies, other agency owners who are, you know, again, going through the same sort of thing. And it's this idea that, you know, if you have a day and a half or so on LinkedIn, where you see people who just yeah. look, you know, almost superficially like they're smashing it, you can then just go to this network and be like, oh, right. Yeah. This problem that I'm having in-house is not dissimilar to something that you've been through in the last couple of months or what have you. I mean, is that something you're really proud of as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's massive. And 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 then something I try and encourage all the time is honesty. Um, I actually I actually ran a little event recently, and someone said to me, you know, how's how's the last year been? And I said, it's been terrible. It's been really really hard. And the guy next to me was like, oh, and it, it was almost like he was gonna go, oh, it's been amazing. It's been really good. And then he sort of felt like he had permission. And the conversation actually then really moved on to how people are coping um, and certain strategies people are putting in place. And you know, just sort of a little bit of relief really that actually it isn't just me in my agency sort of having this problem or having this problem absolutely it's massively important hugely important tell me a bit more about the mental side of things so I, I'm I'm really into mentoring yeah so um one one thing I think is so important is not just being mentored but being a mentor yourself because I think I've mentored a few people and what I found is I feel like I learned more from from mentoring than than my mentees did. I mean, hopefully that's not necessarily factual, but but there is, you know, the best leaders for me are the people who are consistently and constantly learning. Um, and I don't mean book learning necessarily or going on courses and stuff. Great, do that as well. But it's this learning from different people, different generations, different mindsets. And, and oftentimes there is a sort of an echo chamber if you only talk to people in your kind of you know your 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 level if you like or your role and um, so if you're only talking to founders you, you there is a bit of an echo chamber of yeah. what it's like whereas if you've got a real genuine insight into into sort of the younger generation or people at, at different levels or different industries I think you as a mentor can be you know massively influenced by that and take that I back agree with you more. it's one of the most fulfilling things that you can do because you are giving but you're getting back in, yeah. in an amazing, amazing way. And honestly, if especially if you're mentoring younger people, as I'm, I, I'm a dinosaur now in terms of age in this industry. <laughs> but mentoring the youngsters that are just coming through from university is just such a joy because I can see what they're interested in, what they perceive PR to be, and, yeah. and how they they look at it. And their world is so different through their eyes. It's um, as you yeah, say. How do you join your network? I want to join. Oh well, to, to be honest with you, there there isn't an, there isn't a real obvious way. January there's going to be a, a, an actual join button, um, but at the moment it's it, via Collaboration Club on um, LinkedIn. So just join join the the group on LinkedIn, and obviously that that network itself gets all of the information, what have you. But you, I mean, you mentioned then. I'm just wanted. Sorry, I, I know you like to go off on tangents, but um, one of the things I think is is super important as well from a mentorship perspective. You mentioned graduates there. 
then. For me, there is such a massive gap between the education and the academic landscape in this country and real life and work. And the amount of, you know, agency founders and leaders who would love to employ graduates, but actually by employing a graduate who's come out with a first class degree in marketing, you then have to spend six months training them because actually what they've learned and what they've what they've kind of, you know, been taught you either have to unteach or you have to teach them how it works in, in the real world. And I think there's a real gap. So the more people from agency world who can kind of get in, get any kind of you know mentorship with graduates or internships or anything like that, I would urge people to do it because there's a whole pool of talent that really there's not an obvious way in. So I would encourage anyone to sort of try and find mentorship programs or try and find programs where you can get interns or you know um, apprentices or whatever it is and, and do that. <laughs> There is, but I'm going to say something a bit controversial here because I'm good and all about doing the mentorship. But I have found, and I don't know if you've seen this as well, but for me, a lot of the graduates who've come through in the last 10 years, and I'm not including the ones that I've mentored and I've I've included in in, in, or brought up through Demoto, but a lot of them come out feeling like they are an expert because they've paid for their degree course that they have they have an entitlement to a 50 grand a year salary and how dare I think in my little company that I can teach them anything yeah and it there is that kind of in feed there is a kind of this horrible wave of entitlement that's come over a lot of the the graduates I don't know if you've heard and I think that's put a lot of my peers off yeah, I mean, I think I think this is this is quite a controversial topic, and I, I, you know, I do talk to people about this, and there is a sense of you know saying the wrong thing and all that sort of thing. But yeah, there is a divide, and I think you're absolutely right. I think I think the word entitlement is probably the the, the real kind of you know, the controversial word. I think that's the kind of the key to sort of really striking up a, to a debate and a row. But yeah, I mean, I think this is the problem, though. You know, they they are effectively being taught or told that what you've learned now qualifies you. And going back to my university days, I mean, I didn't I didn't come out of university with any knowledge of anything useful. <laughs> you know, I'd gone through degrees and, and, and did really well in my degrees. You know, my dissertation was largely about how people watch films, you know. And yeah, it went to the psychology of it, but a load of shit, if we're honest. <laughs> you know, I didn't come out and be able to walk into a job. And I think, nowadays there's definitely a sense of I should be able to I've got a marketing degree but I also think you know I'm still seeing people putting jobs up that say degree in marketing required and I'm like hang on a minute you can't have it I want 10 years experience thanks yeah you can't have it both ways so I think yes there's there's a real divide but the the divide is only really going to be bridged if if people kind of embrace it and, and and try and help really rather than kind of going you know (laughs) <laughs> I love to I love to encourage students to really look for real world, world experience while they're doing their degree there are people like me out there who will take on people for work experience during their summer holidays and pay them so you know there are opportunities out there and I think you know especially when we and we do have a number of students that do listen to to this podcast thank god and I'm always encouraging people just to just keep looking for those kind of opportunities because they do exist they might be quite hard to find because there's nowhere in this ecosystem where we can actually say we take graduates yes experience yeah no it's really it is tough it is really hard and because there's so much noise but you know but I I do completely agree with you I mean I've got a 15 year old son and aside from I've got a 14 year old 
aside from just you know trying to parent a teenager um you know one of the massive things I moan about as a parent of a teenager all the time is this sense of entitlement mm. and you know, we we could spend the next 10 years debating where this has come from and the goods and the bads and the uglies but you're you're right um you know I I, I often say to my son you know this is a privilege not a right you know <laughs> and the difference we go out for a drink life. Laura because we, we seem to be speaking the same language I literally wrote because I'm I started making packed lunch is for, for my son sorry this is my this is my actual that my rant my daily rant at the moment about the disgusting quality of the school food and also how much they charge for a slice of pizza I started making packed lunches and in his packed lunch I put a little note in and I literally wrote today education is a privilege enjoy it so yeah, absolutely. We have too much, too much. Into I wrote that well, this packed lunch. No, 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 honestly, Jackie's right. I used to do this, but my son said if you keep doing that, I'm not even going to take it because it's <laughs> embarrassing. But yeah, I used to write positive affirmations in his lunchbox. <laughs> that's very cool. I mean, that's kind of positive um, what Jackie said. I mean, yeah, it's very positive. You're, you're right. I mean, I just, I, I just imagine opening up that up and being like. <laughs> It's well, I did, very say, profound I did say to him, you know, if you if you if you do better in your exams, I'll stop doing it. You know, it swings around about my friend. But um, but yeah, there is a real sense of entitlement. But there's also a real sense of there's not there's not a realism. Uh, you know, my son will often say things like, you know, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just be I'll be a millionaire. How are you going to be a millionaire? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. YouTube or something. And it's like, that's not a thing. You know, you're just you're, you're just saying a platform. That's not that's not a job. My um, son says, I'm going to run your company. And like, well, you yeah. <laughs> up at the bottom <laughs> get in line Arlo get in yeah. line okay well do you know right. what if, if, if is he doing GCSEs yet then is he in your yeah, he, he's he's doing his yeah yeah he is he's doing business studies by any chance he did and he gave it up <gasps> oh he got really annoyed in the first first term of it the first half term he just said, I know the difference between a product and a service because he literally is the son of an entrepreneur. Right. Well, he, your son got, is is onto a winner then because that actually is is great actually because I've just I just sat with my son to do like a past paper because he's taking his GCSEs this year, and the business studies one was so for for me so straightforward, and I just think every kid should have to take this because it's it's just a bit more realism and their view of running a business or being an entrepreneur or just earning money is just so warped and I think yeah I mean I try as a parent and try and educate him but he's not listening to me <laughs> you know we had a conversation about tax the other day they don't understand what tax is not so no I mean luckily I think one thing that COVID did teach my son was that I was in the garden this was a nightmare because I had my stepson and my husband or my husband-to-be at the time and my son all of different ages and needs and wants and, and dietary requirements <laughs> in Covid so the only place I could go was the garden because my son had, had the middle floor my husband had the top floor and Felix had the bottom floor and I was in the garden so, but my son had to come down to the garden to ask me for anything as so I could get as far away from him as possible. And he could see what I was doing. He could actually see that I was talking to people. He could see I was working. And I think that was a, a really healthy part of yeah. COVID that now he's he actually can see that yeah, mum doesn't that yeah. play on a computer or doesn't just go off on a train and plays with her friends. Yeah. That this is physically what you do. But it is, it's, it's, it's tough. And, and, and it's not their fault. Because honestly, we give yeah. them so much <laughs> that 
it's our own faults if we sort of give Brit. So I'm constantly trying to sort of put value to things, you know, as to take, put, ascribe value to things. Yeah, yeah. No, it is tough. It's really tough. And, you know, my mum often says to me things like, well, you were a bit like that. And then and I and I say, you know, I was, but the world's changed so much. I don't think we can really even look back to how we were parented, good or bad, uh, and kind of reference it because it is such a different world now. And, you know, every I mean, everything in the world has got, you know, pros and cons and what have you but uh, yeah I mean I think it's a really difficult one and that that does go through life so yeah I mean getting to the graduate stage this is still embedded this is still in there but at the same token we also know that there's huge amounts of skill there's huge amounts of knowledge you know my my son will not do do maths homework but he sat down and wrote a program that would do his maths homework now I sat there and thought hang on a minute you've got to you've got to learn how to do it in order to build a program to do it for you so that's better but it you know so so do you know what I mean is that you know I don't want to do math so oh, I'm your son that. sounds so awesome and I kind of uh, hate yeah. him in equal measure the fact that he's yeah, able to write a program to do stuff I love yeah. this idea I mean I feel very strongly for as and when I do have children I, I, I feel for them in in the future sense because I was able to watch my dad do some very you know good things in the world of PR and and ergo here I am now hosting a podcast yeah. with brilliant Jackie uh, and all my children will get to do is watch me very occasionally pretend to be a tree or yeah. you know, <laughs> at best the prince of Denmark you know how, how is that supposed to inspire them to go on and be business leaders oh, of the world that, but you know I know I know people who are absolutely hugely you know visually inspirational what have you and their own kids don't see it so I don't actually think necessarily you I know, really hope I, they just want to be doctors think, yes be a doctor. Yeah, I almost think like just introduce your kids to someone else who's really cool because yeah. your kids aren't listening to you, you yeah, know. So just it. basically make friends with people who are really hard work <laughs> and are really successful. It doesn't really matter what you do. <laughs> well, listeners, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that we're going to bring this one to an end, but I get the very strong sense that we're going to bring this one to an end and then I'm just going to leave Jackie and Laura on the Zoom <laughs> to discuss, you know, their extraordinary parallel lives. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. Laura, by the way, just as we bring this one to a close, thank you. So I've absolutely loved listening you talk about i'm sure i speak for jackie as well the way you speak about it is not just so eloquent and articulate but you bring such energy to the way you've spoken about and i mean that sincerely honestly you bring such energy to the way you've spoken about like sort of helping agencies having people who are running agencies and just your career as well it's, it's genuinely been such an authenticity i love that yeah. <laughs> no. well i think you know and you know i don't i don't know whether you feel similarly jackie but i think you know you you go through your life and you get to a certain point and i i don't want to sort of use the word getting older or anything but you you do get to a certain point and you just think you know not only do i want to do stuff i am genuinely passionate about but also all, all of the kind of the the you know the rubbish and the and the kind of the the inauthentic stuff it's just it's not worth it i haven't got the energy for all that mm. anymore you know so what i want to do i will put my full self into it and be passionate about but also stuff i don't want to do i just don't do it anymore i just don't get involved in that nonsense so uh, you know and i think i think when you get to i mean it is a luxury don't get me wrong but when you get if you can get to that point in your life and your career i think you can put a lot more more you know oomph into it all because you want that to. point does come after a lot of hard work yes it does it does yes any students listening this yeah. is 20 years of solid graph yeah, and listening graph. listening to my elders as well. yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 when you don't wanna 
read the notes in the pack lunches yeah. right? okay. when, when you don't want to just just make sure you do because they yeah. make sense read what um, mum's got to say that's it absolutely <laughs> right well honestly laura thank you so so much and we will link all of those things agency wise collaboration club will link all of those things in the episode Fantastic. description because i do think it's very very worthwhile to get involved in those things on linkedin and, and those and those communities because absolutely everything you've you've said and, and jackie and i have kind of mentioned as well is totally valid like you know it's a really really big undertaking doing this thing and any support you can get and any help you can get is absolutely yeah. worthwhile looking into and we'd love to have you back on as well in a few months time when yeah. there is that aforementioned join button so you can yes, tell us yeah yeah coming next year <laughs> brilliant stuff. oh yeah I'll, I'll be happy to come back on i like i said i think um i think me and jackie have got a lot to talk about <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't wait to have you back on the podcast and then jackie and you just regale about the three or four times you've met since we last had you on the podcast yeah. i feel super left out it's like okay we've cool. been on holiday by then Lyle. yeah exactly yeah and i'm just there kind of i've you know, played my third tree in four weeks um you know one of those things honestly thank you so, so much a few quick things listeners before we let you go and we say thank you to the lovely laura one final time if you would like to get in touch with the podcast as laura has done when she came on the podcast or if you've got a topic that you would like us to discuss you want to be a guest anything like that you can do so by getting in touch info at the rest is or info at the mozo.com or apply to both those email addresses and you can also go to both those websites the rest is for all things the podcast and demozo.com for all things demozo you can also follow us on x at the rest is pr capital t capital r capital i capital pr it's been getting very exciting on x recently when it comes to some of the podcasts we've released recently uh i'll leave it there you can go and have a look back at some of our most recent posts there's been, some, argument going on been some controversy <laughs> which we love actually it's great that's always good you know it's, it's always you know good exposure i guess um but you can also get in touch with us via linkedin uh which as laura quite rightly says for both good and bad reasons is increasingly becoming a social media platform isn't it so you can message either jackie or myself if you'd like to come on the podcast but listeners thank you so so much once again for joining us for the most recent episode of the rest is pr i don't know about you lot but i absolutely love this one and that has been down in no small part to the absolutely brilliant laura thank you so much for joining us once again but in the meantime listeners from laura from jackie and from myself take care of yourself it's bye for now